we saw your profile, we were quite surprised. It is one of the most diverse careers we've seen. You've been a Twitter, then a social media marketing per person, then you're into development, uh, then to Rockwell Automation, then finally business development lead uh, and seamless AI. So yeah, if you could just give you a, give us a glimpse of your career and take us through it, that would be really helpful. Yeah, for sure, guys. I think the biggest thing with my career is that I have I've explored a, a few different paths, um, but they've all kind of coalesced around one particular area. So despite the fact that it looks very diverse and it looks um, like I've tried a bunch of things, really the core of my career is just customer focus. So no matter what position I was in, no matter what uh, role I've been executing for any organization, it's always been focused around um, who are the people that this organization or group of people is trying to reach? How do we reach them best? And how do we continue to develop relationships with the people that matter the most to us? So for, for most businesses, that's a, that's a customer. They're paying for you. Or that's new customers. How do we get new customers' attention? Uh, for other organizations, it's like, how do we engage our membership? How do we attract new members? Um, that kind of thing. So that's the real core. Cool. Uh, okay. The next thing is, uh, could you please outline your role as an account executive at Seamless.ai? Broadly, uh, what does the company do and what is your current role? And Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So basically, Seamless AI is the world's first and only real-time search engine for business-to-business -business contacts and leads. And so you've got a whole bunch of people who do business-to-business -business contact information, Zoom Info, Discover Org, you know, uh, Hunter IO, all these people. And Seamless is a, an actual search engine that's gone out. We've indexed the internet, uh, publicly addressable internet, and we pull content information for anyone that you need to sell to. And it's as simple as that. So it's live data up to date. The scale is huge because it's an it's a, you know, internet wide search engine. Um, and then we do a, a large amount of, of um, machine learning as well as applying applications of artificial intelligence to kind of verify and validate the information that we're providing to our customers. So that's kind of the company. And then my role is essentially we're, you know, I'm, I'm demoing the software to people, the platform, uh, to net new customers, um, people who actually are not customers yet, but you know, we're, we're trying to get them to, to buy seamless, uh, and then to pitch them and close them. That's really essentially what it, what it comes down to is pitch, close, follow up, and, um, and then also, you know, prospecting at some points too. Brilliant. Uh, okay, I'll dive into the specifics now. Uh, so one thing you put in your LinkedIn profile is, uh, just that stood out is prospecting a pipeline, giving you ulcers, question mark. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, um, so um, I'm a huge fan of the hook and uh, using the real estate that I have in my profile to draw people's attention, right? And so everywhere that you are exposed on the internet is a place that um, can be a hook to draw people in. Not in like a manipulative way, but just in a, hey, generate some interest, generate some buzz. And so the description of my position is, is exactly that, right? The, the byline right below my name is a perfect opportunity opportunity to go in and basically say, Hey, like, what, what am I all about? Do you want to hear more? 
this is, and the way that I approach this is, is actually a description of pain because prospecting is a pain point for most people, for most sales and marketing professionals. Actually, anyone involved in revenue, if you're involved in revenue generation and you need net new business, you're going to have prospecting pain. So anyways, um, yeah, so I decided to kind of take an approach. This is, it's somewhat popularized by Josh Braun. Um, so I don't know if you guys follow him, but this is something that he's really big about. Make your problem statement crispy. Uh, make it memorable. And, and use that hook to bring people to the profile and start to, to get more information. Okay. So no one likes ulcers, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So as you mentioned, prospecting is one of the biggest problems. Uh, even when we spoke to sales professionals, um, that is one of the biggest problems. So what do you think most people are doing it wrong when, when it comes to prospecting? Or at least what do you have seen people do wrong? Yeah, man, I think there's two things. Number one, the biggest thing that people are not, are that are they're doing wrong is they're not prospecting. So, you know, not, not to like give you a gotcha answer, but like they're just not doing it at all. Yeah, I didn't expect that. And so, so that really important, you know, um, in a lot of ways, like you have to decide this is important to you and you have to know that it's not just important to you, but it's important to the business you're building as an individual sales professional. And it's also important to the business that you're working for. If I could say something here, I would say always be prospecting. So even if, even in my role in AE, pitch and close and follow up, you, you have to always prospect. Um, even if it's just a little bit, like every day. And so that's, that's really important. Then the second thing that I would say people do wrong is just spray and pray. Um, so, you know, and I would say that's primarily via email, right? So launch an email campaign, send it out to thousands of people, and then just hope for some kind of, of response and the biggest drug in sales is hopium right and hoping that your efforts are going to come to some kind of fruition without really having any way to measure them or any way to test whether or not you're doing the right thing um, or whether or not it's working in the first place <laughs> like that's really important and so anyways um those are the two biggest things okay one is so just to recap i would say one is they don't do prospecting at all. Mm -hmm. Second thing is uh, hoping. Mm -hmm. Okay. Spray, spray and pray, right? It's it's a shotgun approach where you're just trying to like, you th you're trying to leverage scale, but in a very unintelligent way. Fair enough. Okay, that leads to my next question. Uh, how do you go about building a robust sales pipeline or prospecting? Uh, do you have a step-by-step process or methodology in place? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, one of the things that's really important is to be able to, to touch people in multiple channels. Okay. And so, you know, I think that's becoming table stakes. Um, and so I would say that my methodology is focused around um, touch people on email, phone calls and text, and then also on LinkedIn. Right. So there's a couple of things, you know, I'm, I'm in very involved in LinkedIn, um, have, you know, building a, a following there. Okay. So LinkedIn is actually a really good way to, to sort of kick this off. I actually, a lot of times will start prospecting people who just come and visit my profile on LinkedIn. 
So I've, I've actually brought in deals from just people landing on my profile. I didn't know them. They came to check out my profile. And all I did was I hit the connect button and I sent them a custom message and said, Hey, I noticed that you hopped on my profile. What brought you to my digital doorstep? Ask a simple question and then kick off the process from there. Right. So that's one path in and the, the main path in though, generally speaking, tends to be, um, I'll email the person, uh, do some personalization inside of the email, follow up with a phone call. If I have, if I can get their mobile number, uh, from seamless, then I'll go ahead and, and grab uh, text. So we use outreach IO and I actually have the ability to text people right from outreach, which is really nice. Um, and again, that's just another way to, uh, well, I'll talk about that at the end. So I'll do email, phone call, text, and then um, I will go and look up people on LinkedIn. I think that my methodology is somewhat similar to like a Morgan Ingram kind of approach where I will build out a list in Sales Navigator of people that I'm looking to prospect. And then I'll go look at some of the content they're posting. I'll like it comment on it um, and it's essentially get my face and my name in front of their attention up into their notifications <laughs> uh, and then from there send them a connection request and then repeat the cycle right email phone call text uh, that kind of thing over here my colleague uh, she's uh, she actually i think she follows the exact methodology um, and she uses that to connect with most of the influencers, if yeah. I'm not wrong. Uh, and uh, I think she has around 12,000 plus followers on LinkedIn. Awesome. <laughs> well done. That's really, really cool. And so it works. You know that it works, yeah. right? Um, and one of the coolest things, too, is so using the tools that we have at our disposal is becoming like tools have always been something that they can help or they can hurt you, right? I think tools can still hurt you, but like, I think that, that your, my advantage comes a lot from tools because I can write texts really fast because I can just type them into outreach and I can send them. Um, I, can, I can actually customize my text with like variables from snippets inside of uh, outreach. And so I utilize those efficiencies a lot in my prospecting um, and they just help me to move faster, right? At the end of the day, anything that is pushing me forward faster to get in front of more people and hit, you know, make more touches is, is going to be important because, and this is the thing I was going to end with, like my biggest desire in my prospecting methodology is to discover where are my prospects paying attention. Okay. Right. So it's not just to like execute a multi-channel strategy. I, I don't really care like what the channels are. If someone is, is really active on Instagram and they just want to DM there. Cool. Awesome. Like, let's do that. That's easy for me. Um, and so it's really actually, I am trying to get their attention, but mostly what I'm trying to figure out is where is their attention primarily? In other words, where do they get back to me the fastest? So if someone is responding back to me, like almost instantaneously on email, I'll just send them another email. <laughs> like that's easy. Um, if someone's getting back to me right away in LinkedIn DMS, perfect. That's where I'm going to engage them. And it's actually, um, it also then opens up a, a different world of tools that I can use in each of those platforms because an email, like I'm, if I want to send them video, like, you know, I'll go, I can use, go and use hippo. Um, I've used uh, loom in the past. 
uh, Vidyard in the past. And so if I wanted to do video there, I, I know how to do video over email. If I want to do video or audio in LinkedIn, I know how to do that. I just use the mobile app and I'll create a personalized video for them, right? So depending on where the attention is, changes the tools that I use to engage those prospects. Uh, just to summarize, uh, make sure I'm getting it right. Uh, mm -hmm. So your primary objective is to figure out where you can get the most engagement uh, from your target audience. Then you try and use tools to leverage that. Am I right? Okay. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, so this is a personal question of mine. Where do you think the C-suite are? Because Wait, what did you, can you say that one more time? Where do you think the C-suite, CXOs, VPs and directors are? Where do you get the most engagement from? I haven't measured that very scientifically. I would say the two places are, I would say the best engagement I have is on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yep. Um, also, once I've started working with a C-suite, a lot of times it's actually text. Text. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I can reach them faster. We can just send back and forth short replies, like very short. doesn't have to be fancy. They don't have to think about it. They can get it done in seconds. You know what I mean? Because that's one of the biggest things with C-suites. Their time is very precious. Everyone wants their time. And so I, here I am, another person coming in wanting their time. Um, you got to be fast. Okay. So uh, when you use text, uh, once you get to know the person, that is after not cold. How do I get to know the person? No, I'm saying uh, you go for, uh, for, you rely on text messages after you get to know the person, am I right? After one or two meetings. No, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll text in the prospecting process before okay. I even know them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So cold text. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But, and the situation I was just talking about with C-suites is like, if, if I've, if I've already engaged that C-suite, right. And we just, we need to like hammer out some extra details or whatever it is. I'm, I will feel free to just go ahead and, and text them. Um, because I tend to find, this is just anecdotal, I haven't measured it, but it tends to be that they respond very quickly on text. Okay. That's just it, yeah. But, but I do cold text. Okay. Um, and mo I have got very little pushback on that. Okay. Um, in fact, I probably have got less pushback on text than I have on cold calls. Okay. So yeah, I don't know why exactly. Maybe it's just easier to tell to like ignore text or something. Okay. I don't know and delete them. I don't know. <laughs> How do you handle pushbacks and objections in general? Uh, I think the biggest thing is not viewing them as objections, but just as sort of like delays, okay. you know, um, and misunderstandings. So if someone doesn't have time, like they, they picked up the phone call. Um, if someone is not interested, that's mostly probably not interested now. Like I'm not calling people who are not going to be interested in seamless AI. Like this is a product that applies to pretty much anyone who built, who is building a business. And so <clears throat> I think the real trick with objections is to get down to where, <clears throat> how is the person thinking about their world? Okay. Right. In their world at that exact moment of time, how are you looking at 
um, what you have to do. And so I think objections are born out of that. Like, okay, in my world right now, I have to like get these three things done. I don't have time to handle this. And so it's a time objection. Like I'm walking into a meeting. I think I've, you know, it's funny lately, I've had a lot of objections that have just been like people hanging up the phone call. They're like, Oh, like I'm not interested and I don't, don't even have a chance to like address the objection. Right. And so I think that's one of the hardest things for me because at the end of the day, like I don't, I don't want to waste anyone's time, but I also don't want them to miss what I'm, what I think is going to be very valuable for them. Um, and so just coming in with the knowledge that number one objections, they're just delays. Like they're not actual, like real objections. Number two, um, is that the people you're talking to need what you have. And it's not just like, I, it's not just that I need to book a meeting. It's that your life is going to be easier and better if we talk and being able to communicate that. The third thing uh, around handling objections is to, is to ask, ask a good question, right? To acknowledge the objection, but then to kind of like dig in a little bit, if they're willing, on what is, what, what, where is this objection coming from? Like, it sounds like you're already working with someone. It seems like you're really happy with them. Um, you know, like, is, is there, what are you looking at uh, for the next quarter to, to build and grow. And then you can kind of pivot the conversation into a different direction about their business versus the objection. So sometimes it's to dig into the objection itself. Sometimes it's to acknowledge the objection and then move the conversation in a, a more profitable direction. Those are usually, that's like, that's like my decision branch, you know, like you could go this way or you could go this way. <laughs> so like acknowledge and then continue to like dig into that or acknowledge and then move the direct the conversation forward in a different way okay the next question is about pipeline building okay and then you explained about prospecting what are the steps you follow what are the channels you use tools and everything okay then i move on to the pipeline um, how do i build a robust pipeline how do i engage these people and one of the second biggest problem is how do i go about closing because if there's a pipeline is not as robust as possible um, I might prospect thousand people, but the closure is going to be very less. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. so how do you, you have a maximum conversions getting out of your pipeline? Yeah. So it all starts with uh, garbage in garbage out. Okay. And we've actually found that out um, probably num numerous times, even at seamless. So you have to target the right people. Okay. And in order to do that, you got to make sure that you have the right personas in place for understanding who your ideal customers are. Like for instance, the very beginning of Seamless, we, our ideal customer was a Salesforce user. They were sales and marketing professionals who were using Salesforce in their organization. And so that was it, that's who we called. Um, and that was very successful because we knew exactly who those people were. It's very broad, but it's also narrow enough that you've got a pretty nice slice of, of business to work on. Um, in general though, um, identifying the persona is really important, but I think then just getting good data, right? Being able to get good emails, good phone numbers, good mobile numbers, if you can get them like that's, if you think about a fire, a pipeline is a fire and you need to put fuel on it. That's your fuel, good data, 
that's been validated and verified. And then you use that to essentially then start your prospecting activities on those people, right? So you define the personas, define, find the people who fit your personas. And you can do that in all sorts of ways. You can do that with Sales Navigator in combination with Seamless. You could do that with annual research if you want to. I mean, there's all sorts of ways. You don't have to pay for a tool to do it. Um, it's a lot easier and a lot faster and you can reach more people if you do pay for a tool. Then you do your prospecting process. And then when it comes down to actually like narrowing down, okay, we've got people to pitch and then close, how do you handle that? That is magic. Not really, but like it, it's, it's, it's um, you have to have a script and I mean, I think at a lot of points in, in this uh, discussion, you have to have a script, but like you have to have more of less than a script and more of an approach, a defined approach that you've tested that works to communicate the value proposition to the prospect, communicate how it's going to help them quickly, right? So not just, hey, this is something that you can do and start doing in 2020, but like, let's create urgency for you, you can buy this now and start getting the benefits almost immediately. And don't you want that? Don't you want to see this different way of doing things in the world, right? It's sort of like when someone is, is describing a process to you and then they paint a picture. Like think about two weeks from now where you have a process, like a pipeline that's five times bigger. You have five times more people to call, you have an almost unlimited amount of potential business, would that be better for your career? Would that be better for your profession? Would it allow you to earn more money to buy better Christmas presents? Like, like all these things. Painting a vision of the future is really important. Um, and then at the end of the day, I think one of the biggest things is make it easy to buy. Okay. So how do you close? Paint a better vision of the, uh, of the future. And make sure that you've got a compelling value proposition that's going to help your prospects, like solve your prospects' pain quickly. And those are very general things. I think a specific thing for me um, that's really, really important, and it's also bear, borne out by data, it's supported by data, you have to make it easy to buy. Like, especially in software, especially in SaaS businesses, make it possible to buy on the, on the, the first demo call. Okay. Could you give an example of where it might be hard to buy for a customer? Because Yeah, so I think um, there are, if you have a physical product and you are not showing that in the first demo, like that could be hard to buy. Um, I think that if you have a large, like multi-license, multi-seat kind of deal in play that if you've got an agreement that needs to be reviewed by procurement, legal, whatever, that can make it hard to buy. Um, and so, but the thing is most SaaS products are, don't fit into those categories, right? Most SaaS products you can put on a credit card and even, even a lot of like training products and a lot of knowledge products, um, they can go on a credit card. And so, if that's true, it's really about does, your, does a person you're pitching believe this is going to be helpful to them? Do they believe it's going to make their life easier? Does it believe it's gonna, this product is going to stop their bleeding, right, of the pain, the wound they've got? Um, and if they don't believe it, 
they're not going to buy. <laughs> so that's your job. What are the, I mean, I think, I think that there's, there's a different level of sales, like enterprise sales where you need other stakeholders involved, right? Um, so there's gotta be four to five people who make the decision instead of one to two. Okay. You know, that's fine. Um, ask on the phone if you can talk to those people, Okay. right? Like someone tells you, this is a classic objection. Like I, I don't have the authority to buy this. Like I need approval. It's like, all right, great. Awesome. Who, uh, just quick question for you. I need approval for stuff too. Who is that person? They're like, Oh, it's, you know, it's Bob over in whatever, like, cool. Awesome. Like let's, can you bring Bob over here? I don't know what he's doing right now, but like, let's, let's talk to him. You know, like I've always found it easier if we can just get all of us together on a call real quick. And most of the time in these situations, all I need to have is a three minute conversation. Can you bring Bob over? Okay. And if they say no, ask him again. <laughs> like don't, don't give up uh, just because they said no one time. Yeah. And now you know who the decision maker is. Yeah, exactly right. That's, you know, the important person, right? The person with power. That's the word that people in sales always like to use. Who's the, who's, who's got power. Yeah. Uh, the next one is uh, going into 2020. Uh, what do you think is the emerging sales trend in SaaS especially? I think that uh, there's going to be a whole lot more people who are leveraging social channels. Um, and it's going to become more crowded and more noisy in 2020. Um, so that's not really SaaS. That's more social. Um, I, I think I think a lot of people are are looking at the success of people um, like LinkedIn influencers or even you know TikTok or Instagram influencers and thinking, oh, I can I can do that. It's easy. It's not easy, and like it takes a lot of work. And it's a lot of times it's unpaid work too, because it's brand building and things like that. Um, when it comes to SaaS specifically, so I think, <laughs> I think a lot of people want to think that like predictive artificial intelligence, like platforms are, are about to blow up in 2020. Okay. I, I don't know. I think it's going to be something a lot more simple. Like there's, I think, um, I like to use Grammarly as an example. Do either of you guys use Grammarly? Okay. What, what did you say? It's a, one of the mandatory products. Yeah. There you go. Right. It makes a lot of sense. So, so, um, I think, I think the biggest improvements come from very small, very focused tools like a Grammarly, not like an outreach IO that's trying to do a whole bunch of things, but very small, very powerful tools that help you write better and write faster and in a more compelling way. I think that, uh, Another thing that's gonna that you're gonna see is a lot is a lot more shorter emails also, um, instead of like long, really like in drawn out pitches. So, um, so when it comes to SaaS products, I think it's gonna be stuff that's not sexy. It's not like oh, this is the latest AI product. You know, this is gonna predict your pipeline. It is gonna whatever like. That, that kind of stuff is great, but at the end of the day, what makes the most difference to a huge number of people is what's going to be big in SaaS. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, I think it's going to be something along the lines of, hey, like I need a snippet, like a text expander, right? But something that gives me, it combines like text expander with Grammarly and it gives me something compelling to say very quickly in one or two sentences. Really? Something along those lines. Yeah. Just the last uh, two or three questions. Uh, okay, what are the tools do you think uh, sales professionals should be using? Like something you've discovered that you've been using? Um, mm -hmm. Anything that is not widely known, but it has been helpful in your day-to-day job? Okay, cool. So I'll give you um, widely known ones, but then not widely known ones. Uh, so I'll do, I would say Sales Navigator is really, really important. Mm -hmm. Uh, sales Navigator plus Seamless AI so that you can get the information for the people that you're researching, uh, the emails, phone numbers, and uh, mobile numbers for those people in Sales Nav. And then you need a sales engagement platform. And so whatever that is, it could be very simple and it could be like very easy to use or it could be complex like uh, Outreach or Sales Loft. Uh, we use Outreach. I like Outreach a lot. So those are, I would say those are really important. Okay. Um, I would say a, a lesser known tool that I've benefited from a lot, which I really like is banana tag, uh, which is a funny name, but it's basically like an email tracker. And so it does, it basically allows you to use to like, not have to worry as much about a, a big old clunky, like sales engagement platform. You can just use regular email, but Banana tag basically helps you track the emails that you send. Um, and so if you don't want to pay a whole lot of money for a huge stack of tools, just get banana tag, use that with your emails, track your emails, and then, you know, worry about, um, and maybe, you know, seamless as well for getting numbers, that kind of thing, researching numbers when you need it. But I think, I think the biggest, um, and then also huge, 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 efficiency get a program like text expander where you can yeah where you can use like a colon or you can use a star or whatever and you can have shortcuts for anything like sentences that you say all the time like all the time put it in it in a shortcut basically allows you to make shortcuts for just about anything you know how like in slack right you can do a, a backslash and then there's whatever or you could do a colon and you could put emojis or people whatever um same thing it allows you to do that but everywhere on your computer um so that's that's made my life very easy and very quick um you could even put in like i i copy and paste my zoom link all the time but like i don't always have my zoom link in my clipboard and so I need to go back, recopy it and paste it back in. Just make it a, a text expander, right? So you just put in colon Z, boom, that's your Zoom link anywhere. Colon Z, colon Z, wherever you want. This one we'll definitely use. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's really important. <clears throat> uh, okay, what are the books you would recommend for a sales profession? Uh, the Closer Survival Guide. Okay. Uh, it's Grant Cardone book. Okay. I, said, I think it's a Grant Cardone. It's, it is a Grant Cardone, right? Hang on a second. Let me just let me just double check. <clears throat> yeah, it's Grant Cardone. Uh, Closer Survival Guide. I would get the Challenger Sale. I've learned a lot from that. And then, actually, this is a classic one. You can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar by David Sandler. Oh, okay. Um, so, have you ever heard of Sandler Sales or the Sandler Sales methodology? No. I would 
I would check that out. Uh, Sandler sales methodology is probably one of the most successful and most robust uh, known sales methodologies out there. And um, how do, you can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar is like one of David Sandler's like seminal books. It's like one of his most important uh, descriptions of how to, to do Sandler sales. Um, highly recommend it. Brilliant. Uh, the last question, John, uh, who do you look up to is in terms of for your career? Do you follow someone, any influencers, anyone you think adds value to your job? Yeah. Yeah, man. I'll call out two people. One of them is Josh Braun. Um, I have a huge amount of respect for his approach and his prospecting methodology. He is uh, a teacher, an element, like our high school teacher, I think, um, an English teacher who converted to a sales career. And then he worked for Basecamp um, at, at 37 Signals. Basecamp, like DHH, Jason Fried, those guys, awesome company. Um, ran sales for them. Now he's doing it on his own. And then Jake Dunlap, who is the CEO and founder of Scaled Consulting and Scaled Media. Um, so I think he is someone who is an empathetic sales leader. Okay. Not just like, because there's a lot of people who are sociopaths. <laughs> they're, just, they're, 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 they're just like, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get rich. I'm going to get money. I'm going to get paid, like all this stuff. And they, they, that's what they're consumed with. These people just want success at any cost. And that's a short game. Yeah. That's a waste. It's a waste of your life, dude. And it just, there's so many people like that. It is such a waste. Um, Jake Dunlap is one of these people who's been very successful, but who's also like, who's not, who doesn't run his company, his business, doesn't build sales teams like that. And I think uh, a lot of respect for that guy. So, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. That's about it from our end. Uh, do you have any other questions? Do you have any questions, John? No, guys, I appreciate the time. Uh, thanks for hanging in there with me. I know it got late and this the timing got messed up, but I, it's been great to speak with you both. No, uh, first of all, thank you very much for your time. Hey.